Cleveland's first Hispanic Catholic bishop is becoming Philadelphia's archbishop. The Cleveland International Film Festival is moving to its third home in Playhouse Square. And some drug dealers try to make their getaway with a Lyft driver. It's the wake up from Cleveland.com for Friday, January 24th. I'm Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn. Bishop Nelson J. Perez was Cleveland's first Hispanic bishop, and his arrival was hailed by Northeast Ohio Hispanics. But less than three years after coming, he's going. The Philadelphia native is returning home to be archbishop of that city. Pope Francis assigned Perez to lead the Philadelphia Catholic community after Archbishop Charles J. Chaput retires in February. Chaput served as bishop while Perez was a pastor there. In a press conference in Philadelphia Thursday, Perez slipped in a love letter to Cleveland Catholics. What an incredible church. Know that I love you, he said. Perez will remain Bishop of Cleveland until his installation as Archbishop in Philadelphia on February 18th. There is no replacement appointed yet for Cleveland. Cleveland's Hispanic community, which celebrated when Perez was installed, was saddened by the news but happy for Perez's success. Perez, who is bilingual, will also be Philadelphia's first Hispanic Archbishop. The Cleveland International Film Festival is leaving Tower City after 30 years and going to the grand setting of Playhouse Square beginning in 2021. Worries about construction that could be coming to Tower City persuaded film festival organizers to look for a new home, and Playhouse Square put out the welcome mat. The films will play in the Allen State and Ohio theaters as well as the Connor Palace, Attendees also will have much easier access to the restaurants and bars in the Playhouse Square district. Playhouse Square will be the third home for the festival, which originally began in the Cedar Lee Theater in Cleveland Heights 44 years ago. More than 100,000 people have attended the festival in recent years. The festival will have to provide screens and movie equipment at Playhouse Square, but it has the option to take them for Tower City. Look for a smaller offering of movies, though. Tower City had 10 screens for showing the films. This year's festival will be the last at Tower City and will run from March 25th to April 5th. I did not think this next story could get any more strange, but stranger it has become. Stick with me on this. It's loopy. You might remember Cuyahoga County's human resources chief, who was charged with felony theft because he gave a job recruit a big bonus. It's a most unusual case of theft because Douglas Dykes did not get anything and was operating under the orders of his bosses. The latest? Dykes cut a $10,000 cashier's check to repay the county for money that he is accused of stealing. But the check was made out to Peer that it was from the job recruit who has been paying it back slowly, not from Dykes. That's a pretty serious deception. More weirdness? Dykes did not consult his lawyer, Anthony Jordan, or the recruit who owed the money. A copy of the check provided to Cleveland.com shows that the recruit is listed as the remitter of the cashier's check. Dyke's payment in the middle of his criminal case could open the door for prosecutors to argue at trial that it is proof Dykes has a guilty conscience. Dykes, who has denied the theft charges, is set to go to trial in April. County Executive Armin Budish has stood by Dykes despite the indictment. 
But wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall when Budish is talking about this latest wrinkle? If Dykes used deception in making the payment to his employer, should he still have a job? Here's one way to get away from police. Three of five men arrested Monday after agents seized 33 pounds of cocaine made a brief escape by hailing a Lyft driver and paying him $1,000 to drive them to Arizona. The men were in Cleveland to either deliver or oversee the delivery of cocaine from Chicago. They were part of an operation that brought large amounts of cocaine to the Cleveland area from the southwest border of the United States. The five were arrested in three locations. As authorities tried to open the door of a room at a town place suites in Streetsboro to arrest three of the suspects, they heard window blinds crash. Guests later saw the men jump out the second-story window, and investigators figured out that the men fled across State Route 14 to a shopping plaza. The men went into a Walmart and then to a Wendy's. From there, the trio called the lift and got into the car. The DEA and the Ohio State Highway Patrol stopped the Lyft driver in the Columbus area, and the driver told agents that the men paid him to drive them to Tucson. Sometimes you just have to revel in your good fortune. So let's talk again about this winter's weather. Our data guru, Rich Exner, did some research and found that Cleveland has been above freezing on 29 of the first 33 days of this winter. That's pretty rare. The only times this winter when the temperature stayed at freezing or below for an entire day was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and last Friday. Cleveland winters typically include about 33 days when the temperature stays at 32 or below. Last winter, there were 25 such days. There were 30 in 2017-2018, and the winter of 2014-15, well, we had 50. It's now been more than two years since Cleveland has had at least a week straight of temperatures staying at freezing. That was from December 25th, 2017 through January 7th, 2018. This is all bad news for winter sports people, yes, but the rest of us are having an ideal winter. Thanks for listening to The Wake Up. If you get a chance, give a listen to our latest episode of This Week in the CLE, the Cleveland.com podcast analysis of the news. We go heavy into the first Great Lakes poll, wondering if this is going to be the year that women are the difference makers in the presidential election. 